Meet Dr. Frank King, the founder of King Bio, a local manufacturer of natural products since 1989 here in Asheville. For over 40 years, Dr. King has been helping people and pets overcome chronic, recurring, and so-called incurable ailments by following simple, natural, and safe remedies and principles. Dr. King's full range of natural products can be found online at kingbio.com or find select products in your local health food, Ingalls, CVS, and Walgreens stores. His book, The Healing Revolution, is available at kingbio.com. Or Amazon.com. Welcome to the Healing Revolution on 880 The Revolution. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the Healing Revolution here on 880 The Revolution and 92.9 FM The Resolution. Welcome, Dr. Frank King. Oh, man. It's You're great. on the FM Airways awesome. now. I feel complete. I feel like my yin and my yang have caught up to each other and in perfect balance. How about oh, that? Oh, man. That is a healing revolution when that happens, isn't it? Well, I'm so glad to be with you today. Uh, it's always a pleasure. We learn so much every week. It's like a classroom setting for me. Mm-hmm. And and I take away all kinds of knowledge. And, and I can't begin to tell you thanks enough over the last couple of years for all that knowledge you've given us. Well, thank you, Randy, and uh, you've been a great absorber, and uh, and not only do you learn and you listen, you learn, and I see you implementing, and that's where the real empowerment comes when you implement. You can get the education, you get the inspiration, you can get the impartations, but it's the implementation that really puts <laughs> it and where you get the benefits yes. and get the results, you know, the empowerment comes only in the implementation. And to speaking of implementation, I have an exceptional guest yes, here you today. You know, last week we had Ty Bollinger about Truth About Cancer, and uh, he also did a, a new documentary uh, called The Truth About Vaccines. And for that follow-up, I brought in the big gun. <laughs> okay? And the big gun is uh, one of the most amazing people in Asheville. If you haven't met this person, he is a special person of interest, Absolutely. someone we should know. We Asheville should be proud to be able to call Alan Phillips as being this is his home. And uh, actually, it's maybe Hendersonville. If is that correct, Alan? I'm actually in Candler now, right, Candler. Out, right outside of Asheville. Oh, man. But I call might... myself an Asheville. Okay, an Ashevillian, yeah. as I do, and I'm a Lesterite. Okay. Okay. So, uh, but I am considered. I consider myself an Ashevillian for 28 years now. I'm an Ardenite. All so right. I'm, I'm an Ashville <laughs> too, yeah. Yeah, That's just South watch Ashville. out for the mosquito bites, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. uh, but, uh, you know, you, there's Alan Phillips, uh, an attorney extraordinaire, if I may. You know, Alan is one of the, the only, the exclusive uh, attorney that puts his 100% focus the exclusive attorney in perhaps the world, we know in the U.S., how about that, you know, that is focused solely on vaccine exemptions, vaccine legislation, vaccine activism. Uh, you know, Alan is uh, just puts his whole soul, heart and soul into uh, vaccine issues that are very vital, important issues for us to understand, to make wise decisions. And, uh, and it gets really quite complex because it is now becoming so, what's the word, intrusive? Maybe there's a big Alan, if you would give it, what is it? It's be- Well, yeah, several words, intrusive, aggressive, um, overreaching, yeah. legally and morally and ethically all. Well said. And yeah, this is something that is... Uh, and devastating uh, in, in its effects on uh, our well-being, on our health, uh, on our finances, even even on legal issues, which we'll get into. Uh, fascinating stuff here. Uh, and so everything from activism to, you know, when we're dealing with the military, we're dealing with immigrations, we're dealing with many factors here, uh, your work life, you know, of living, uh, you cannot, as I understand it, and help me, you know, we hopefully this will be an answer question coming up later, but, you know, working in the medical profession, can you do so 
without being vaccinated. That'll, we'll get into that, I'm sure. But, you know, ad- adoptions of children to, uh, you know, by the way, Alan has uh, also has his own blog talk radio show. Uh, he's an author of The Authoritative Guide to Vaccine Legal Exemptions. You know, it's an ebook uh, available on his website, which is uh, vaccinerights.com. Right. And so vaccinerights.com. And quite an amazing guy. Not only is uh, he, I guess he, at one point you were a, you know, or you still are a singer, a songwriter uh, on the acoustic 12 string guitar. I was a bass guitar, so I only had to play a few strings. Okay. <laughs> um, and, uh, and piano, a pianist if you will. Uh, so fascinating uh, and gifted individual. Uh, so thankful. You know, this is a real big issue. And I know I have issues about vaccines. Uh, my children, of course, were not vaccined. I'll tell you, you know, the truth right out front. Uh, thankful. They're very healthy kids, all of them. They they don't have near the sicknesses. They're, the, you know, they're the head of the clay. They might not, not all of them got straight A's, but they got straight A's in attendance, okay, because they weren't sick. They didn't miss school, and uh, unless we went on vacation, okay, uh, <laughs> you know, went on a trade show with us, you know, I did some exciting things, uh, you know, so, you know, our pets are vaccine-free, Okay, maybe I shouldn't announce that uh, because there are we will maybe talk about some legal issues there. And uh, and I know, you know, we're we don't I think we're going to have a veterinarian following up in the show here, because as I understand it, veterinarians uh, can if you can have to vaccinate all their patients or they can lose their license. It's a, in the state of North Carolina. Very interesting. Um so, you know, there are a lot of issues with from vaccines. And I have one I've been because I love studying and thinking into the, you know, to be a survivor, to survive and thrive in the 21st century. As I say, we have to be thinkers and we need to be thinking these things out. Are these really good for us? You know, just because big pharma or the medical monopoly may say you need to do this, you know, doesn't mean it's right good for us. And I think, you know, we're where the dollar, follow the dollar, as my daddy always taught me, is where you find the truths. And so when we follow this and we'll realize, you know, we'll be one of, you know, we're not just anti-something to be anti-something. We're here for the, you know, where we optimize our health and well-being as, as, as all for all living things. And so I even go into how farm animals, I know they have to be vaccinated. They cannot travel out of state not talking about just out of the country, like uh, perhaps, but they can't even go. Animals can't even go out of state, in any case, without being vaccinated. Uh, so, uh, you know, I know chickens are vaccinated. Sixty immunizations they get in their short little lifespan of, of months, you know, or weeks, really. Nine you know, weeks. Nine weeks. There we go. And they're, they're pushed fast on antibiotics, feeds, and then and vaccinated. And even your so-called free rangers, check, and because you'll find a lot of them are vaccinated. Now, we all learn something, and this is another show, but I just want to touch on this for a future show. But when these farm and being myself being a farmer, I'm very sensitive about it, but that is... When, you know, we all learn mercury in fish. The little fish have the least amount of mercury, but when that little fish gets eaten by the bigger fish, you know, it doubles, perhaps approximately doubles the amount of mercury concentration in it. And then the bigger fish than that comes along, it doubles it again. And the biggest fish, the big swordfish, billfish, you know, that is a high dollar fish on the menu, mm-hmm. has the highest mercury content because it's eaten the three fish you know, down the food chain and it is you know, gone double three times, you know, four times, perhaps, the mercury. Why, it's better to eat the little fish in the ocean (laughs) than the big fish. Uh, So with all that said, that same thing is happening when we're eating vaccinated animals. And so we want to, you know, these are some definitely thoughts for us to all to be thinking about and why certain foods, it's very important to go organic, um, all natural. And yeah, we all, you know, you, you hear this thing where, oh, it's been 
never any hormones or antibiotics used, but in most even those cases, they call it all natural meats, they've been vaccinated. So anyway, a little thought, four levels of vaccinations from the humans. Number one, number two, the pets. Number three, the food-producing animals that we're talking about. Number four is something, Alan, you, I think you can probably expound on it during the show, and that is the environmental effects of where does all this vaccination go. It doesn't just stop in the animal. When it's processed and consumed, it goes into the water tables, into perhaps the city water. It's recycled. And, you know, just like drugs that are flushed down the toilets, uh, these vaccines just don't disappear. And so with all that and uh, having uh, among us here the leading expert professional in the world of litigation of all types and vaccine rights, I want to welcome uh, the great and mighty Alan Phillips. Thank you for being here, <laughs> indeed. Well, that's a, uh, quite an introduction, and I, uh, I'm very humbled by it and very appreciative and very honored to be here. And I'll just say, uh, you've been in Nashville a lot longer than I have. I'm just following the uh, leadership of people like yourself here and, you know, making my own contribution to the well, world of alternative You're making a great healthcare, contribution, but... and I'm, I bow to you, my friend. <laughs> well, to one another. Let, if I may, let me just start briefly with a real quick overview of what I do, because this yes. work has turned out to be um, fascinating to me in, in a number of ways, much broader and deeper both than I anticipated when I first got into it. So, first of all, I learned about vaccine injury from a friend who had another friend whose child had been permanently disabled by a vaccine. I had never heard of that. And I learned about that when my first son, who's now 23, was born. That started me doing my own research, and that led me to go back to school and to pick law school. I'm not an attorney who discovered the vaccine issue. I'm a parent who wanted to empower myself to make more of a difference on the issue, inspired by what I learned. You began, you saw the need in uh, the world with this vaccine, and then you became an attorney for the purpose of fulfilling that higher call. I think that's a, a fair way to, to mm. describe it. Yes. You know, I mean, I can give you the the, the facts and, and the information, and yet mm. somehow all of that to me doesn't even fully explain why I'm here. But I just feel I'm very clear that I'm doing what I need to be doing, and maybe mm-hmm. I can leave it at that for, for now. But <laughs> good, but the kind uh, of people I always like to be around <laughs> people that are on purpose in their lives. Yeah, it's funny because I had uh, a brief time years ago. I had voice lessons, and the voice teacher made a comment that I, as a musician, that I could really relate to. He said, "Musicians do music because." they have to. Mm. <laughs> and really, sometimes that's the best way you can explain if you just have this inner drive or inner calling or whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it. So I am pulled not only to music as I have been since an early age, but mm. as a parent and since becoming a parent to the vaccine issue. Did you bring your 12-string guitar today? I, I didn't, but I'll, you know, I'll do it next time if you'd like. I'd love that. I think that would be a, a, a much added treat and for everyone. Thank you. Oh, it would be for me as well. Yes, it would. Um, Vaccines are required at birth for school, daycare, college enrollment. They're required increasingly as a condition of employment. That's been primarily healthcare mm-hmm. workers. They're now moving into childcare workers, and we all have targets on our backs. It's just a progression mm-hmm. that, if it continues, we'll all be required uh, as adults to get booster shots and so forth. Because there are something on the order of um, close to 300 or more new vaccines in development, and they have virtually no liability. And the government subsidizes the research and development. The government, state, and federal governments purchase vaccines, they mandate vaccines, and there's virtually no liability. Who wouldn't want a part of that from a purely cold calculating financial point of view? So it is really, in my humble but adamant opinion, one of the biggest scams on the planet. Now, there certainly are other ones, but that's one of them. And so as a condition of employment, they're required in the military, not just for members, but for military families, if they're being transported overseas by the military, for civilian contractors with the military, for immigrants, which would include refugees and foreign adopted children. I see increasingly in recent years uh, vaccines coming up in child custody disputes where parents divorce Mm -hmm. or separate or split up. They disagree about vaccinating the kids. Turns out that the way the law works in that issue is completely different from the way the law works with all other custody disputes. Family law attorneys and family court judges don't recognize that because they're steeped in this one way of handling all custody mm-hmm. cases. So I've been able to um, provide some valuable insights to family law attorneys. I kind of see this kind as of kind of, of a weapon in warfare 
in, in family law. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Because from the pro-vaccine point of view, when one parent decides they want to uh, exempt the child, the other parent is going to, oh, I'm going to hammer this parent over the head with this issue. Of course, the judge is going to rule that children need to be vaccinated. The law says so, and it's best for the children. And that happens a lot of times if they you don't go into this with the right legal arguments. But it turns out, um, and th- this is a topic that could be a whole you know, show of its own discussing the ins and outs of it. But in brief, there are legal arguments in most of these cases that actually the law, when it's properly analyzed, the judge doesn't even have authority to enter an order allowing or requiring a child to be vaccinated. Mm. But if you don't go into court with the right legal arguments, nobody's going to know about it. Mm. And the judge is going to do the same thing they do with all other custody issues. They're going to say what's best for the child. And of course, public policy, the majority of doctors, state and federal health agencies all recommend vaccines. So from a proper legal point of view, it's going to be best for the child. I don't happen to agree with that in terms of my personal understanding of vaccines, but legally that would be the proper ruling for a judge to make in terms mm-hmm. of the way the law works. And again, unless you come in with the right legal arguments to to um, explain to the judge. Do you can't. have history of winning in those cases? They are. Uh, yes, I do. But they are difficult cases to win because judges, the vast majority of them are steeped in a pro-vaccine view. Mm-hmm. And in most cases, they do have very broad discretion to decide what they think is best for the child based on the evidence. And judges really don't like leaving kids unvaccinated. So they will sometimes step over the law to get the outcome they want. You know, and the message there is not in my courtroom. If you think the Court of Appeals will you know, listen to you, go talk to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, they don't say it outright like that, but mm-hmm. that's, that's the message. And Nobody wants to touch it. <laughs> you, you know, the, there is some degree of uh, corruption and dysfunction in the legal system, as there is anywhere and everywhere in our modern world today, human beings are human beings. But outside of that, judges are are also human, and they're going to be swayed by things um, that they find compelling. And the mainstream view on vaccines sees anybody who doesn't vaccinate as crazy. Mm -hmm. And so it's easy to understand why a judge even knowing they're stepping over the law, might do it anyway in some situations Mm -hmm. um, because they think it's really best. And we do have a system that's set up with uh, appeals. If you think the judge got it wrong, you can appeal a decision and and see if you can get the appellate court to fix it. So I tell people in those cases, you have to have the right legal argument and be prepared to go up on appeal because judges will often step over the law to get to something they feel strongly about. Mm. So it's difficult. It's a difficult issue. And to one degree or another, that same dynamic um, is involved or sometimes even outright pervades exemption situations. You know, health care workers in hospitals where hospitals, uh, as more and more do every year in recent years, go from recommending flu shots to mandating it as a condition of employment. And you put a legal argument in front of a hospital and say, here's why this particular person has a right to refuse the vaccine in this particular situation. And the law is not contrary to health. Uh, it generally, as it concerns healthcare policy and law, tracks or sits on top of, if you will, mainstream medicine. Now, mainstream medicine has some corrupt aspects, and so that has led us to a condition today where some of the resulting laws and policies uh, are seriously problematic. Mm. Uh, which is why I'm not playing music for a living, <laughs> and I'm now, now in you know legal practice. But, yes. um, but many times they contradict their own mainstream medicine, mm. and we can use that to our advantage. Let me give you a simple example: the stereotypical pro-vaccine person steeped in the pro-vaccine view does not distinguish between vaccine status and immune status. They treat it like if you get a vaccine, you're fine. If you don't, you're going to kill everybody. Somehow not getting a vaccine mm-hmm. magically makes everybody else's vaccines not work. I <laughs> haven't figured that out. I never yet. figured that <laughs> either. If, yeah, if, right. if we really believe in the vaccine, then what are you worried about? If you, you know, my, my unvaccinated kid is not going to get your vaccinated kid sick. You know, It might be the other way around. Uh, right. Yeah, yes. there's, there's some documentation of that, actually, as you yes. probably know. Mm-hmm. No, what they will say, and there's a little bit of validity to this, what they'll say is, well, there are some people who, for medical reasons, can't be vaccinated, so all the rest of us have a moral obligation to get vaccinated to protect them. But if the occasional unvaccinated person for medical reasons is not a problem, so is the occasional unvaccinated person for religious reasons or any other reason. Mm -hmm. 
And then, of course, herd immunity has been completely debunked multiple, multiple times through documented uh, instances mm-hmm. of highly and fully vaccinated populations having outbreaks. There was actually a study in, in the late 80s that was looking at all these outbreaks around the country in highly vaccinated populations with measles. And this meta-study concluded that as, mes- uh, um, as vaccination rates rise, measles becomes a disease of vaccinated people. Hmm. You know, is is there a point where too much, where vac, you know, more vaccination is too much vaccination? You know, we're seeing that a lot, and I have a lot of documentation in that in the veterinary world, where we're well over vaccinating vets. You know, we realize the majority of vaccines you give your pets are lifelong, but somehow they want to create this scenario where you have to bring your pet back every year. Oh, it's been over twelve months since you've had your last uh, vaccination for your dog. We need to vaccinate again. And so, and, you know, and there's a lot of documentation showing that is not unnecessary. It's overutilization and where it's actually creating a chronic illness in pets. So just as uh, it's going to be another talk show, um, and hopefully we'll have our veterinarian in uh, here soon uh, to follow up with this same topic in relation to our pets. Hey, you guys are bringing up some interesting points. Uh, Alan Phillips, an attorney, an immunization, anti-immunization attorney in Asheville, and Dr. Frank King, the Healing Revolution. We're going to take a break, and we'll be right back and talk further on this interesting topic. Dr. King's Natural Medicine features over 150 products specially formulated for everything that ails you, from allergies, memory loss, and fatigue, to sports performance and sexual health. Dr. King's Natural Medicine has been providing safe, natural medicines for the entire family for more than 25 years. Dr. King's products have no known harmful side effects, no known negative drug interactions, and no known contraindications. Dr. King's natural medicine products include oral sprays, topical oils, and topical creams. Visit kingbio.com for Dr. King's full line of healing products. This is The Healing Revolution on 880 The Revolution, Asheville's progressive talk. And welcome back, everyone, to The Healing Revolution with Dr. Frank King here on 880 The Revolution and 92.9. Good to have you with us uh, today. And, and Doc, please reintroduce uh, our guest to everyone after the break. It's a very interesting yes. topic today. Oh, yeah. Attorney Alan Phillips, uh, fascinating. Uh, you're bringing up some wonderful insights. Uh, I just want you to continue on. you got such a wealth of wisdom to share for all of us. Well, if I may, let me just hit a few points, because I know you had typo on recently, and I'm mm-hmm. sure he covered the basics really well. But we mostly did the cancer. We didn't. Oh, we've okay. been saving okay. this uh, oh, okay. vaccine, although you know he has that documentary out, which we all should get. You probably have seen it, and uh, you know the truth about vaccination. Yeah. And so, uh, but we're you know, sitting here with the guru himself <laughs> on vaccination, uh, Alan. And so, yes, we want your wisdom to fill the airways, please. Well, I'll hit you with just a few high points because uh, there are days there. Are volumes worth of information calling into question the current vaccine policy and law in the U.S. and around the world. But just a few highlights. For example, uh, the CDC says vaccines are safe and effective. State health departments, of course, say the same thing. And yet in 2011, the U.S. Supreme Court said that vaccines are unavoidably unsafe. That was the rationalization that the court used to remove what little liability was left with the pharmaceutical Mm -hmm. industry with regard to vaccine manufacturing. Mm -hmm. So there was a a, a law passed in 1986 that said if you or a loved one, a child is uh, injured or killed by a vaccine, you've got to now go to a federal government program and apply for compensation to see if you can get money through this program because the industry was actually going out of business in the 1980s, early 1980s, mid-1980s because of the high court awards for the injuries and deaths caused by the vaccines. So rather then saying, gee, maybe we shouldn't be vaccinating if they're causing that serious problem. The industry went to Congress and had them tone down the liability here. But you could still originally go to court if you didn't like what happened in the federal compensation program. Well, that 2011 Supreme Court case put an end to that. They are so dangerous that we're going to call them unavoidably unsafe. 
And instead of saying, therefore, nobody should have to ever get one, they said, instead, okay, the industry no longer has liability. It's not literally no liability ever, but for all practical purposes, it's just no, no liability there. So, uh, interesting how, um, and of course, that serves the pharmaceutical interest, kept them in, in business, just like the CDC's claim that vaccines are safe and effective, of course, promotes pharmaceutical uh, the sale of vaccines and, and pharmaceutical profits accordingly. So, you know, it seems like whatever part of the federal government you're looking at, they're going to say whatever serves the industry, whether it's that the vaccines are safe or they're not safe. So that's sort of a disturbing Kind of like, you know, I'm thinking an analogy here is amalgam fillings in the dental industry. I think it seems uh, probably a lot of similarity where the, you know, the American Dental Association said, oh, there's no problem with these, you know, mercury uh, amalgam fillings, but yet, you know, who's using them anymore today? You know, they've they kind of, you know, said there's no problem, but they all transitioned away from them uh, to, and they've avoided a huge legal liability that would take the dental profession down in a sense. And I sense we have a very similar scenario here, you know, where they never they've changed it, but they've never admitted guilt. And right. you know a lot of sufferers of mercury toxicity from amalgam fillings, but yet now I imagine it, this uh, that's probably the only way maybe in the system the way it's set up in the world today the way uh, they'll get out of this vaccine. Uh, it, it, to me, it feels like a uh, you know a major disaster. A world disaster that could have waiting to happen, and uh, that is happening, and yet they're probably going to try to skate out of it somehow. Well, the first and most important thing is to stop the unnecessary deaths and disabilities caused by vaccines. The federal government has paid out over 3.6, is close to, now close to 3.7 billion dollars since this program began paying out in 1989, and just last year over 250 million dollars for people injured and killed by vaccines. And the separate program, Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System is now at a level, I say now at a level, because it just keeps increasing every year um, overall. Huge trend from looking at a graph from 1989 to, say, through 2016. The line uh, on the 1989 end is at the bottom left, and uh, 2016, the line is at the upper right. It's just this steady increase in reported vaccine reactions or potential vaccine reactions. And we're up to uh, roughly 450 or more vaccine-associated deaths being reported every year, roughly um, twice that uh, permanent disabilities, 900,000 or so reported every year now. Now, these numbers are, are staggering. The, the dollar payouts I mentioned are staggering. And yet, a former FDA commissioner, uh, CDC official, uh, the director or president of the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons, the National Vaccine Information Center, each of these different governmental and non-governmental agencies have all agreed that only 1% to 10% of the serious vaccine adverse events ever get reported. So one that, in how many? 1% to 10% okay. that occur get reported. In other words, 90 to 99% of what's happening doesn't get reported. So that... $250 million that got paid out last year, that might actually represent um, $2.5 billion or $25 billion in, if you can put a number on injury and death. Mm -hmm. We don't know. That 450 deaths, the vaccine-associated deaths reported last year, that might actually be 4,500 or 45,000. We just don't know. And this is part of what is so serious and seriously disturbing about the vaccine controversy. We have no data from which to calculate the so-called cost-benefit assessment. Um, even if we assume there's a benefit from vaccines, you can't say, well, yes, we know there's the occasional you know, horror story with vaccines, but look at all the millions of people being saved by vaccines. Well, we don't know what the scope of vaccine injury and death is. There's no data on that, so we can't make a comparison. Mm -hmm. But when the CDC says, oh, 3 million people are saved every year by vaccines, well, if you look at the official government data of the mortality decline across the 1900s from these childhood infectious diseases, there's a steady decline with all of these diseases, whether they were ones that had vaccines or not. 
uh, scarlet fever, never had a vaccine, tuberculosis, never had a vaccine used in the U.S. And these diseases plummeted um, across the roughly middle of the 1900s, just like Mm -hmm. the ones that had vaccines. And the ones that had vaccines, the mortality decline was on the order of 90 to 95 percent before the vaccines were even introduced. Mm -hmm. So vaccines may have had a very significant effect on disease incidence, what doctors call morbidity, the incidence, Mm -hmm. but not on mortality, not on the death rates. The death rate dropped precipitously before vaccines were Mm -hmm. ever even introduced. So when they say we're saving all these lives with vaccines, Mm -hmm. well, I mean, yes, Mm -hmm. people can die from diseases. But in developed nations in today's world, it's mm-hmm. exceedingly rare. We've had and it was more associated with uh, people cleaning up their environment, uh, cleaning up you know you know the feces in the streets and and things that were going on during the great plagues. Was really it was all more so about hygiene that was the right. real turn of those plagues, and then they they, they kind of tagged in later the vaccines, which riding on the benefits of the hygiene than it is really on the benefits of the vaccines. Yeah, for the the measles vaccine is the extreme uh, example of this 97% decline in the death rate before the vaccine was introduced. And um, I saw an article recently where a doctor was talking about what he called the Brady Principle. Mm-hmm. He's referring to the Brady Show back in the 1960s. And there was an episode of the show where, where all the children got measles. And they laughed about it. They joked about it. It's like a cold with spots. You go to bed and for a week or, you know, take care of yourself and you get well. But not only do you have lifelong mm-hmm. immunity then from that point, which you don't get from vaccines. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and this is actually a, a serious problem potentially with vaccines. If they are successful in preventing the disease in childhood, mm-hmm. they leave you vulnerable in adulthood where some of these diseases are much more serious than they are if you contract mm-hmm. them as a child, interestingly my, enough. My interesting story I have to tell you real quick, but my oldest son, actually, I was traveling. I was reported he had a very high fever and wouldn't go down and... Uh, you know, and so by phone, I've been was communicating, and they ended up taking transporting him from the local hospital. You know, uh, they couldn't figure out what it was, and to from to by helicopter to the Pittsburgh Children's Hospital, and from there they was they come up and they said, "Oh, he has measles," and I said, "Oh, well, you know, on my way in traveling back." I actually had one of our assistants give two remedies, homeopathic remedies for the measles to him. And overnight, the rash, uh, the and the fever cleared up. And just really, it was a few hours by the time I got there, you know, late at night. And, you know, just within two or three hours, the rash and the, and the fever gone. And, I, and it all, it, you know, it was a teaching hospital, te- you know, there. And so they brought everyone in. They were bringing everyone in to see measles because they don't see measles much, you know. At that point, this was in the 80s, uh, mid-80s. And uh, maybe 80s, I guess, yeah, maybe going towards the latter 80s. And anyway, there's... Uh, they were shocked, and then when it cleared up, they said, oh, we must have misdiagnosed it. Sorry, I, it must have been something else. Couldn't have been measles. And I said, well, I gave them some homeopathics. Well, they just kind of didn't even listen to that. And then I said, well, how would we know if it was measles or not? Well, you have to bring him in. I'm trying to remember it was like 20 days or more later to do this titer test on the blood. And I'm persistent as I am. I said, okay. And we brought him back and had the blood test done. And it came back measles. So I went to all the you know key doctors that were on the case and said, look, it was measles. And they just kept walking. They, they were like monkey, sea monkey, you know, closing their eyes and ears. They didn't even want to hear it. They said, this, this is breakthrough information. We really, and the homeopathic took care of them. It was really measles that you didn't think it could be measles because it wouldn't have cleared up so fast. Then, But they didn't even want to hear it. Really opened my eyes to what we call so-called science today, that they did just because it didn't fit their paradigm of what they were trained, anything outside of the box, and it, it would be like miraculous. We need to look at this. We need to research this. You've, any true scientist would would you know go down that path. And they, because of the philosophy, because of it was outside of what they were trained, they didn't want it, they wanted to ignore it. And I thought it really took a lot of my naivety away uh, that day. 
And the, at the root of that is an issue that is, I think, uh, critical to advancing the vaccine awareness movement. There, uh, when you try to talk to people and it just bounces off. And a medical doctor, as the example you're talking about, might be sort of the classic example to underscore the point that this has nothing to do with people's intelligence. You know, medical mm-hmm. doctors represent, in one sense, in, a, in an intellectual academic sense, the intellectual elite of our society. Why is it that they can't hear us? So I submit to you that we are dealing, of course, ultimately and fundamentally with science, science questions, science issues, with information that people need to hear. But the barrier, there's a barrier. This is a psychological barrier that we're dealing with. And when you understand that you're dealing with psychological barriers, the way you talk to a psychological barrier is very different than the way that you talk if you're just conveying information mm-hmm. and there's an open door there. There's a wonderful analogy, um, if it'll allow me to, to, for purposes of analogy, to change mm-hmm. topics for just a mm-hmm. couple moments here. It's a group of psychologists around America that have um, pulled together and done some videos uh, probably a few years ago at this point talking about the 9-11 issue. And they're asking a question, why is it that even though the fund fundamental uh, or the official story on 9-11 violates fundamental laws of physics. And it only takes a few seconds to, to underscore this point. You cannot have a building falling into its own footprint at free fall speed unless it's some kind of a controlled demolition. And you can't have a symmetrical collapse from an asymmetrical damage. So the official story, you know, right there is debunked. But why is it that people can't see that? And this answer that these psychologists come up with is that we all have a psychological world view, which is uh, draw a circle on the piece of paper and everything that is real and possible is inside the circle. And if you try to show somebody something outside the circle, they, they can't see it. It's not part of their psychological worldview. What really brought this point home for me, though, was when one of these psychologists said that when it finally clicked for her that the official 9-11 story couldn't be true, she became physically ill. When people can't hear us on any major controversy, 9-11, GMOs, vaccines, chemtrails, aliens, I mean, you pick it, and I'm not taking a position on any of those issues. My point is, for, for purposes of the point, that people are literally protecting themselves. There's a subconscious psychological barrier. They're protecting themselves from psychological trauma. People steeped in the mainstream vaccine view cannot hear what we're saying in one sense, because the place we're trying to take them is very dark, it's very ugly, it's uncomfortable. And they are protecting themselves from psychological trauma. Now, this is a generalization. There are going to be many infinite number of styles and degrees, and some people are more receptive than others. But the, the fundamental point here, though, when it comes to advancing an agenda that people can't hear, you try to talk to them and it bounces off, somewhere in some way, psychologically, they have an investment in their position. So another aspect of this, no matter how polite and articulate we are, when you tell them something that conflicts with their understanding, you're telling them they're wrong. And most human beings are not comfortable hearing that they're wrong. Mark Twain once said, it's a lot easier to fool someone than to convince them that they've been fooled. Yeah. <laughs> you have to think about that. I like that, that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. So how do we, how do we speak to the psychological barriers? And, and that's a lengthy involved discussion all its own. I do conference calls with activists where I go into this in more detail. But there are a few uh, interesting pieces. For example, if you ask a question, instead of asserting a piece of information... You're not telling the person they're wrong. You're leaving them in control. You're inviting them to figure it out for themselves, which, frankly, is how most of us got where we are. Those of us who were not fortunate enough to grow up in an alternative health paradigm, and and I used to think anybody who didn't vaccinate was a complete idiot. So my awakening was learning that somebody was injured, and for me, that's all it took. But other people have injured children who are vaccine injured, and they're still in denial. Their own child is damaged, and no, it couldn't have been the vaccine. We don't know what caused it, but it wasn't the vaccine. You know, that one right there is just very curious. But why is it that people sometimes act in ways that seem illogical? They're protecting themselves psychologically. I would go a step further and say that this is not just human nature by accident. There's an underlying control system that, I'll put it like this. We are where we are today with the vaccine issue, maybe with some other controversies as well, because the people who got us here are masters of the psychology. 
They know how human beings tick and they know how to take advantage of it. Human beings are very easy to manipulate if you know how. So they're masters of the psychology and they control the flow of information. Mainly that would be mainstream media, but it's deeper than that, medical education. I've talked to many doctors. They all say the same thing. We're not taught anything about vaccines in medical school, except here's the childhood schedule. They're safe. Oh, and by the way, here are some pictures of some children dying from these diseases 100 years ago. There's the emotional programming right there. But nothing about the injury compensation program. Doctors have never heard of that. And I hear this story from people around the country. The doctor gets up in front of a legislative health committee and says how wonderful vaccines are. We've got to get rid of these exemptions and we have to add all these other vaccines. And somebody may ask them, well, what about vaccine injury? What about this injury compensation program? Mm. And they've never heard of it. Mm. Which is understandable. It's only been around for 30 years. Okay, that's not long enough for anybody to to get a clue. Now, I'm not blaming the doctors, though. I had a doctor on my own radio show recently, and she felt compelled, and I think appropriately so, to say doctors are victims, too. Now, I'm not going to let them off the hook Mm -hmm. 100%, but they are not taught the information in medical, and they are trained to aggressively promote vaccines and all pharmaceutical solutions. And they are told that everything else is bunk, doesn't work, and don't be sucked into all that crazy stuff. So they think they're doing the right thing. They've just been manipulated, as have all the rest of us. Mm. Wow. Boy, this is fascinating stuff, Dr. King. Thank you for inviting Alan to be our guest today. Yes. Uh, Alan is our guest on The Healing Revolution, and uh, we're going to take a little short break and, and talk about things out on the farm for just a second, and we'll be back and wrap this up with Alan. How's that? Awesome. Thank you. Dr. King's flagship farm is now open for tours. Located in Leicester, North Carolina, 15 minutes from downtown Asheville, Dr. King's tour promotes soil to sustenance. Visitors enjoy breathtaking views of the beautiful Blue Ridge Mountains with a variety of animals, including bison, African Watusi, elk, camels, deer, and yak. Feed milking camels and see rare white bison and Marvel at the largest horned cattle in the world, the African Watusi. To make your reservations or for questions, please visit carolinabison.com. This is The Healing Revolution on 880 The Revolution, Asheville's progressive talk. Welcome back to The Healing Revolution here on 880 The Revolution and 92.9. I got to get used to saying that, Doc. Yeah, I love the sound of it. 92.9. The Revolution and The Healing Revolution every Saturday afternoon at 2. And uh, this afternoon, boy, what a fascinating conversation. Oh, man, I love Alan. Uh, Alan, I I just want you to, I wish we had 10 hours here. As a matter of fact, you can maybe, if you could. You know, maybe sum up some things here and give us some of your contacts, and then I have maybe just a couple questions I'd like to finish with you on as well. Sure. Uh, I am based right outside of Asheville. I work with clients, attorneys, legislators, and activists all over the country. And in fact, occasionally people around the world who are dealing with immigration and Mm -hmm. immigrants coming into the country uh, are required to be vaccinated as well. Mm -hmm. Everywhere vaccines are required, one or more exemptions are available. Sometimes, uh, depending on the nature of the issue, there does have to be a local attorney involved, but I work with local attorneys around the country Mm -hmm. as well, too. So, um, all of my contact information is at Mm -hmm. my website, vaccinerights.com. And uh, folks are welcome to uh, reach out to me with any questions yes. or concerns regarding your right to refuse mandatory vaccines in anywhere in the United States in any situation. And I encourage that. And even when you're told, oh, you have to, uh, that's smoke and mirrors in most cases. I, I yeah, yeah, most cases. Yes. So uh, it's fascinating uh, insights. Uh, you know, of two, you know, we have a product. Homeopaths have been aware and anti-vaccine. Be, when when the vaccine started coming out, uh, homeopaths were putting out the warning signals about vaccination issues. This is too crude. Live viruses issues, and then of course the toxic heavy metals. That again, we're injecting live viruses and heavy metals like mercury and aluminum in most cases, into the body, through the barriers of the skin, into a way where there's no filter, 
you know, to protect the brain, to protect the nervous system. Uh, there's, and so you might think, well, that's a small amount of mercury and aluminum. Yeah, but it, you know, it's it's not going through any filters such as our digestive tract. Uh, you know, it is going right into our bloodstream, uh, and and you know, so and it can permeate the blood-brain barrier. You know, we have issues here. That things weren't meant to be injected and squirted into the the sanctuary of the human body, uh, if I would. And so, uh, with that, homeopaths have been working and and have discovered, and through the test of time now since the beginning of vaccines, uh, antidotes, things that can antidote the side effects. And so, here's the issue: whether you choose to vaccinate or not. Okay, or you have somebody, if you've been vaccinated, everyone should take at least one bottle of what we call Vaccinoplex. It helps antidote, it helps counteract the invasion and the, and the uh, you know, the negative uh, chain of things that could happen uh, to anybody. You know, uh, my oldest son actually ended up getting vaccinated when he went into the military and Marines and we went overseas uh, to the Middle East. And uh, in that, you know, he took, you know, Vaccinoplex, you know, to, you know, antidote, took it before and afterwards, you know, took a full bottle and uh, over a period of about a month, month and a half. And, uh, you know, so we encourage this, whether you've been vaccinated 50, 60 years ago, <laughs> like me, uh, you know, I remember putting putting my arm out and still have the little scar from the, I believe that's the TB, the first grade, uh, when they had us all line up and, and gave us these wow. shots in the shoulder where you got the little round, you know, size of a, maybe a dime, uh, yeah. you know, scar. And so uh, to... You know, or been vaccinated whenever, whatever situation, do take this remedy as a counterfactor, you know, to whatever age you are. The other thing is, I'd like to um, finish with you, Alan, just to ask you, what is, how do you, what do you see as the future here uh, with the vaccine, this act that's evolved, you know, in, uh, you know, the billions of dollars that have been paid out already uh, to victims. Uh, and where do you see the future? How do you see this? How What can people do now? And and what do we see as a future? Well, you know, this, you know, you know, it's like mercury purges was the thing of the past, you know, and, and bloodletting. Uh, a lot of famous people died from bloodletting, you know. Uh, I think George Washington died from bloodletting, uh, you know, and these were the customary medical acts and, and mercury purges. So all of a sudden now when we come up with the amalgam fillings and the mercury purges, oh, that's okay now. You know, oh, or we put mercury in the vaccine. Oh, it's okay now. But it seems like mercury keeps showing up as this assault on, on human life. Yeah, you know, and when they finally stopped bloodletting, they said, oh, we, we don't have to do this anymore. The nature of disease has changed. So <laughs> nobody did anything wrong. We just have to change now. That was I saw, saw this in writing. This was the early 1900s. So this is the mentality. You know, there, there's a certain class of people who, no matter how egregious their wrongs are, they can do no wrong, mm -hmm. so we'll make up some excuse for Same it. Same with but, the dental profession in this scenario. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the industry says that uh, currently it's roughly a $30 billion international industry, and they they are projecting that's going to more than double in the next five to eight years mm -hmm. to somewhere around $70 billion. So there's just a huge, huge money maker. Every man and woman on the planet mm -hmm. and child is a potential recipient of vaccines from the moment of birth till I think you're supposed to keep getting flu shots uh, six weeks postmortem now, you know, just to make sure. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so oh, it's, uh, I mean, it might as my, well my, be my. as crazy as it is. So <laughs> that's that's where, what it looks like from their perspective. Now, there's this growing awareness. I, say, yeah, no, I had so many patients over this spouse got the flu shot and the patient at the spouse did not and it would seem almost consistently <laughs> the one that got the flu shot gets the flu and the one that didn't uses the homeopathic 
a flu remedy. Instead, it's safe without the you know negatives, oral and use, and you know does not get the flu. So you know I've you know I've watched yeah. this pattern for you know, decades. Yeah, well, there's a 2015 study in Canada that found the flu shot was effectiveness was negative eight percent. So there's the answer to your question. There, they didn't they didn't say oh so don't get it. They said you should do other things, wash mm-hmm. your hands, and that'll somehow make up for that. Yeah. <laughs> so where do we go from here? Well, there's um, you know Robert Kennedy uh, Jr. points to four government studies showing that the CDC is what he refers to as a cesspool of corruption. Congress and the Justice Department have known for nearly three years now that there is a small group of CDC uh, officials who deliberately destroyed data, physical papers destroyed, proving that vaccines cause autism. The CDC has known that for years now. Mm-hmm. And they not only have been sitting on it, they destroyed the data. One of the guys had a conscience and made copies, and that got leaked out, and now... Congressman Bill Posey in Florida has this. So it's not a conspiracy theory. We have a congressman sitting on this data. Somebody said, did you find the smoking gun? And his response was something like, no, we've got a conflagration here. You know, it's not, mm. not a smoking gun. Mm. So they know there are criminals in the CDC. They're not, Congress isn't investigating. The Justice Department isn't prosecuting. So that says something profound about the fake democracy, you know, mm-hmm. that we think we have as a democracy. No, we don't. There's a huge system of control mm-hmm. all the way up and, and um, to the highest levels of government. So whatever yeah. you may like or not like about President Trump, he's our chance and hope to drain the swamp. So there has to be some kind of a breakthrough point. When that first domino goes, mm-hmm. it's, it's all going to go. Mm-hmm. And all this fighting back and forth on the, on the outer level in politics, it's all distraction. There are people mm-hmm. who are going to go to jail or go into hiding if Trump succeeds at doing what he's trying to do mm-hmm. with this clean the swamp thing. And the vaccine issue is a huge part I heard, of that. I heard a rumor that Trump actually spoke out against uh, you know vaccines because there was some question whether they're his youngest son has had you know some issues with vaccination and then he all of a sudden went quiet on it well he's got He's got more to deal with than he can get to, but he already <laughs> asked uh, uh, Attorney Robert Kennedy Jr. to head up a commission on uh, vaccine safety and, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, scientific integrity, and mm. Kennedy agreed to do that. Mm. So I think it's going to be a question of getting some of the other background pieces in place. You know, you can't prosecute until you've got a prosecutor who's willing to prosecute. Mm-hmm. So he'll get to it. It may be a, uh, some time here, but mm-hmm. if he gets to it and if that goes forward, the issue will blow wide open. And the dominoes will fall, and the pharmaceutical industries we know it today will no longer exist. But whether that happens in ten years or a hundred years, we just have, you know, to move yeah. arch into forward. It's a bubble that's got to pop at some point, it's, as I see it. It's and getting bigger too. Yeah, it's the, you know, you know, the medical monopoly, as I call it, is uh, you know is a real deal. And uh, of all the monopolies that were wiped out. Many years ago, uh, the medical ones <laughs> survived, and uh, but it is something we don't have health freedom uh, in this country. You know, we don't have the choice, uh, not only for the doctor, but uh, the style of health care, the natural health care that we need. So, uh, with that, uh, you know, whether whatever, I'm glad there's an outsider in there. Whether it's Bernie or, or Trump, at least we got an outsider maybe to make some make some you know changes, and we we just hope it's all for the good. Let's get. Contact information from both you guys before we wrap up and get out of here. Alan? Alan. Yeah, uh, my website is vaccinerights.com. People can email me at attorney at vaccinerights.com and the phone number 828-676-2831. And it's drkings.com. Yes, go to drkings.com. We'll have, uh, the, we have these shows also posted where you Super. can listen to them online as well as videos to empower people and equip people to take greater control and authority in the health. The missing link in the healthcare system is we the people. All right. Thank you guys both. And thanks for joining us on The Healing Revolution. Please be sure to do so again next week, same time, same station. Thanks. As an author, lecturer, and whole health practitioner, Dr. King has a tireless passion for natural health and empowering people to reach optimal health and wellness. Dr. King's 40-year career as a natural healer is all about equipping you and your healing revolution. Go to kingbio.com to take free personalized health appraisals, including his whole person appraisal and candida test. You know your body best. So take back your health and awaken your healing power within. Learn more about the healing revolution by visiting kingbio.com, where you can sign up for Dr. King's free newsletter and join the healing revolution.
revolution never sends you an omen. A revolution just arrived like the morning. 